This is the Kita Anime Podcast for May 22nd, 2012, Episode 3 of the Spring Season. The Cure for a Cold, Pelvic Thrust. It's time for the Kita Anime Podcast with Dito and KT Data. The Kita Anime Podcast is brought to you by Drew Tyler and Single Pass Encoding. Bringing you video versions of the Kita Anime Podcast that much faster. Thank you, Drew. Um, welcome Ooh, to the well. Kita Anime Podcast. I am KT Data. And I'm Dito. And here's the anime podcast where we watch some animes, we talk about it, and, you know, we just waste some time around. So, how are you doing today, Dito? Oh, goodness. If it wasn't the fact alone that I just came from Airsoft for the weekend and completely sunburned my forehead right here, the only place that I sunburned, I'm doing quite well. Is that the only place? Does your yes. butt hurt? Yes. <laughs> uh, speaking of, so if you guys have never seen this anime before, or this podcast before, Herp. what we do is we pick three animes. This season's animes are Kuroko's Basketball. Jorgamund, and Zombie no Desuka of the Dead. Um, we talk about them and warnings right now. We have spoilers, but, 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 don't run away. Don't run away. Stay here. Stay here. You know, if you guys just head on over to ktdata.net and click on the show notes right there, I have links to every single episode that we talk about. Um, Funimation's about a week behind on Zombie, uh, Koriwa Zombie, but, you know, you can always watch the other ones and watch that later, maybe. Corey was actually the last one on the docket right there, but you know these are legal ways too. It's not like some shady where you're. These most of them are on Crunchyroll, Hulu, and Funimation's website. You know, so they help bring these animes to the U.S. But speaking of these animes, Dito, shall we just jump into our first one that gets me pumped every what? time? KT so excited for this, can't open it. <laughs> and our first anime is Kuroko no Basuke or Kuroko's Basketball and is brought to you by Nine Pounds of Steak. Eat in 30 minutes and it's on us. <laughs> now go. Yes, go, Dito. Go, go, go. Oh, wait, this is All not... Right, the last episode, we've we, uh, witnessed what happens when you try to break a hoop, and you probably have to buy it when it's done. Uh, secrets are found out, and faces get smacked by hands. Oh, yeah. So, you know, we end off on our last episode high-flying, you know, right when um, Kisei, he loses his first game, and it's a practice game, too. Um, Siren totally beats him 100 points to 98 which I think is nuts for a practice game. <laughs> like a normal game, if you're lucky to get to 90, 80 points, and here they are going 100 to 98. It's crazy right there. Um, and so everybody's in shock, and it goes to Kisei, and he's just like, I lost, I lost. And all of a sudden, these tears just start coming down, and he's crying. <laughs> and the funny thing is... uh the captain of his team just like smacks him. It's like, what are you doing? Why are you crying over there? 
should be putting like revenge into your speech there so you can get back at him because it's only a practice game technically uh, doesn't count <laughs> yeah so to remind you all Kisei he's one of the five in the generation of miracles and uh, Siren has beat them in a practice game so supposedly practice games are not for keeps so you shouldn't be taking it but they lost to this unknown team um, it's crazy and the funny thing is uh when the teams are saying bye, you just see the coach on uh, Kisei's team. He looks, he has this bitter look on him. And he has then, like the dark aura of death, just pissed off beyond reason there. Yeah, and then it cuts to, um, to uh, what's her name? To Risa, and she's like, <laughs> My yeah, she, she's she's like, just vibrating and glowing, and then just kind of like until next time, it's like you see flowers pop up, and they're all like, oh. Uh, it was, uh, it was I, quite I, interesting. I loved it. And the, so, you know, there's parting the ways, and it cuts to uh, Kisei pretty much just... Uh, he's tr- trying to get some water, you know, cool himself off. And all of a sudden, this guy comes up to him. Green hair, as tall as Kisei, actually taller. And he's like, the horoscopes are against you today. No wonder you lost. And, um... And we think his name is Moridima because Kisei he t- tends to uh, hue to size everybody's name. So he says like Orochi or Orocho at the end. So it's like Achi, it's basically. Yeah. He ends up calling him uh, Moridima Achi or something like that. And so he's. And um, you see him, his fingers are all taped up. I wonder about this because when watching the intro, you see all these players and you always see him with the glasses and his taped up fingers. I'm like, what's wrong with that? Um, turns out he's really superstitious. And uh, so he follows the horoscopes and everything and tapes his fingers and he's like, no wonder you lost. You were playing the inside game. That doesn't take any skill. The skill is all about the outside game. Making that perfect shot right there. And he's like, that's... His superstition. His, his superstition is so like out there is that he goes this all elaborate as, like predicting of what the horoscopes is, the reason why he can't get along with Akuriko, and his lucky object is apparently a frog, and he has like a small like purse frog. Yeah, he's like today's lucky charm, the frog, and Kisa's like, I don't, I don't understand you sometimes. <laughs> um, he's like, what's with the frog? Yeah, and there's actually this uh, serious moment. It's like, I wouldn't worry about revenge. We're gonna beat these guys in the first round <laughs> of the tournament. And they kind of walk off. And the funny thing is, uh, so Kuroko, they, I, um, Risa ends up taking him to a doctor, have him checked out. And I was looking at this doctor, and I just like, seriously, that's a doctor right there? <laughs> and he comes out okay. And everybody's, all right, let's go to get a victory dinner. And like, you should get something cheap, because I'm broke. And the other guy's like, me too. Yeah, me three. <laughs> and all of a sudden... Um, Risa, she's like, how much do you, money do you guys have left after transportation costs? And they look it up. They have like 200 yen at most. <laughs> I think it was not even that. I think it was less than even that. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden there's a truck that goes by and Risa sees it. It's just this free steak on it. And she turns around. So the guys are like, oh, man, no victory dinner for us. And she's like, how about we go get steak? The funny thing about that truck is I love the phone number on there. If anyone actually sees this phone number, it is circle, 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 triangle, circle, circle. 
<laughs> That's why I found the funniest thing about How that. How do I dial that, Dito? I don't. Um, it's, we can probably. Uh, do I have to like turn power on, brick it? Do I have to like do an international keyboard? Or? Uh, what you need to do is just kind of flip your phone over like this, and then smack it around or something like that. Like that? Yes. You should be able to dial that number now. We, we can get some free stakes if we can do it. But <laughs> when they get there, this is how the this is how it works itself. So it's going to be it's the super volume, fourteen ounce steak, which is about eight point eight pounds of meat that they need to eat within thirty minutes, or they pay ten thousand yen, which is equivalent to one hundred sixty one hundred twenty six dollars for U.S. dollars. Yeah. Sorry. And for you guys who don't eat a lot of steaks, the normal size of a steak is maybe somewhere around six ounces to twelve ounces at most, and twelve ounces is pretty big. <laughs> Yeah. So this is 141 ounces. So it's probably the size of my head. Handsome. Dito yeah, would do eight, it eight pounds, eight point, basically nine pounds of meat. You're going to be stuffing in your gullet. It's like, oh, jeez. And then when they go to cut to the scene, they all have the steaks in front of them. It's quite like fat, thick, yeah. this big or so. It's just like going, when I'm looking, I'm just going, my stomach's just going, oh. What's funny is it's actually pretty cheap for that $126 for that much steak? That's actually pretty cheap, yeah. if you think about it. <laughs> Say the fact alone that eat in Japan is always expensive. Yeah, but even here in the U.S., you know, I've seen steaks, like eight-ounce steaks, go for like $50, $60 already. So, it's true, it's true. Know, $141, that's almost like almost a little under a dollar a pound. Yeah, a dollar an but ounce. I'd still do it. I'd still do it. Um, what's funny is uh, Itsuki... We start this gag where he's starting to do puns, and uh, so they call it uh, suteki, which is almost like steak in Japanese, and everybody's just like, <sighs> so pretty much like all the jokes I say on this podcast, Dito's just like, <sighs> same thing, same it's idea. Just way, it's just the way that he did it too. It was just the the pun was so well delivered at the same time too. Everyone just was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> yeah. So as we actually see these guys starting to eat their steak. You know, they eat maybe like a quarter of it, and like, Ugh! and then it cuts to um, Kagami, and he's like, "Oh, this is so good! Hey, you gonna eat yours?" And he like eats the entire team's rest of the steak, and you know, Koriko he eats like two bites, like, "I'm done." <laughs> Which was funny too. They they call it. He's like he's stuffing his mouth like a chipmunk. <laughs> yeah, he's like. That's how I eat normally. So, ladies, keep tight. KTData.net. There you go. <laughs> um, so, they, they finish that off. And then Kuriko, while he's waiting for everybody else to suffocate themselves with steak, uh, he walks outside and look at it. Lo and behold, Kisei is out there. And he's like, can we talk for a second? And uh, so, he disappears. And the team's all done. And the funny thing is, uh, you see Kagami. He's walking out, and everybody's like, I'm so full. And Kagami looks like he's, like, second trimester pregnant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, oh, maybe I ate a little too much. <laughs> that was, like, the understatement of the year. But at the same time, too, they realize they all, when they're all out there, they realize, wait a minute, where's Kuriko? Oh, he's probably like, in the back. And they all stare, like, he's not there. <laughs> so the whole team starts looking for him, and Risa kind of makes a mention, too. It's like, everyone, go find, find Kuriko and everything, bring him back. 
And when we find him, I'm putting him in Boston Crab Lock. And everyone's just like, what? It's like, so what happens is Kise uh, and Koriko, they're talking and he's like, why did you disappear right after the championship season or the championship game in middle school? And uh, Koriko, he actually goes into this whole spiel about, I hated basketball then. There was something lacking on our team that I didn't like. And that's why I disappeared. Um, as my phone goes off. Uh, so <laughs> while, while they're doing that, you know, uh, Kagami, he's looking for them. And he sees them right there. And then he, he hears. And Kisei's like, Kagami, he's got talent. But you realize once he gets to the level of the Generation of Miracles, he's not going to stick around. He's going to go somewhere else without you. And uh, Kuroko's just looking at him, and he doesn't say anything. And Kagami just comes in right there. It's like, what? Where'd you guys disappear to? And so where they're having this conversation is actually right behind a uh, street street uh, basketball court. And there's these three guys playing just, you know, fun pickup game between their friends and everything. All of a sudden, these five guys come in, and they're like, hey, why don't you give us a turn now? And these thug-looking guys, and the other guys are like, how about we treat we play a game and settle this that way? And they're like, all right. So it looks like it's a three-on-three game. But when one guy, the three guys who were there at the beginning, they're holding their own pretty well. And then all of a sudden, this other guy comes in and blocks and like, hey, wasn't... Isn't it supposed to be a three-on-three? And, like, we said we'd play basketball. We never said anything about three-on-three, so they're, like, kind of thugging on them. And all of a sudden, Kuriko just shows up, and he's like, you guys are jerks, shouldn't be bullying everybody around. And uh, The best part about this whole scene is that he's spinning the ball on his finger and gets it right to one of the guy's nose and basically gives him some ball rash. Yeah, he's... Corco has some skills, even though they don't try to like push it, like promote it and stuff. He actually has some pretty uh, nifty skills if you're not paying attention. I mean, it takes some skill to be able to spin the ball like that. And uh, so they're like that. And he's like, how about we settle this in a game of basketball? And all of a sudden, Kagami and Kisei are right behind him. like, hey, can we, we can join in. And they're like, three on three is fine with me, fine with us. So they start playing. And needless to say. Those thugs got schooled. <laughs> they got destroyed. They didn't get schooled. They got destroyed. Yeah, because at the end, they're, all, all the thugs are kind of just laying on their back. Going, and then the three original guys like, those guys just totally, uh, totally just beat them up on there. So I thought that was cool because it was actually the first time we see Kisei, Kagami, and Kuroko playing together. And it's pretty beautiful. Well... If you like basketball, it look, it's kind of it reminds me of how the uh, San Antonio Spurs are playing right now. It was just beautiful, beautiful. I a little tear came to my eye when I watched it. I'm just saying. But, yeah. But uh, so one, once after the game, you know, uh, Risa and everybody catches up to them, and the team starts the Saren team starts walking back home, and uh, Kise says his goodbyes. And all of a sudden, me, um, Risa, she just grabs him in, in the, uh, and we finally discover what the Boston Crab Lock is. If you guys want to see what the Boston Crab Lock is, go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash, what was it, Dito? Uh, Panda Bear Production. With an S, right? Or you can just find us, put us in the Google of ktdata.net reviews. Yes. 
We will have that in the show notes. You can blame Dito for the URL, not me. <laughs> yes. Um, and, you know, go look there. This is a good time to promote our Facebook page. Dito's on there every day talking, spreading, putting pictures up, putting up good links. Um, I'm just going, yeah, good job, Dito. Good job. <laughs> Using my name. Use my name to promote my website. Yeah. Go. Yeah. All right. So, um, also, now we hit in the second part where the Kagami's like having his, his dream, it's kind of like talk, like reviewing his uh, games, like how he just dunks all, how he just dunked right on top of Kisei and everything itself. And then all of a sudden you just see his head just go like palms, one the teacher's head, and basically just dunk the teacher's head. Yeah. And he's like, How dare you sleep in my class? Come to the teacher's lounge after. And then all of a sudden he looks behind him and there's just Kuroko just passed out. How come he never gets in trouble? <laughs> um, so what happens is the uh, second years catch the first years like, all right, you guys got to go get lunch. And they're like, your mission is to buy some bread. And Dito, tell them what kind of bread they have to get. This is like a once in a month type bread. And um, it's pretty much their initiation. It is known as how I write it down here. Um, the pork cutlet supreme. It's supposed to have like a bunch of different types of uh, meat on it, even caviar. Has caviar, it runs about caviar, <laughs> something that oh. KT's all about. But it runs about twenty eight hundred yen, which is equivalent to about thirty five dollars US, and that's very expensive. But at the same time, too, if anyone's ever seen just ran, like just your general school anime itself, and when you think of like cafeteria scenes and everything itself, it's exactly what you're thinking about here. Yeah, well, you know what? I wonder how come Japanese cafeteria food looks ten times better than anything I've ever had in American cafeteria food. Probably because it wasn't processed as much as ours. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's bad. You know, I don't understand, but they always they have like cool bento boxes and they have all this special bread. Um, so what happens? It's a battlefield there, and they look around. They see the American football team. So what we see is football in America. Um, so it's like the big linebackers and everything. The rugby teams there. Uh, there's some, the sumo wrestling teams there, <laughs> and they're all like fighting, go, trying to lunch rush this and. Funny, funny thing is that everybody tries to get it. So we see some of the first years. They're like, "All right, we just have to risk it," and they just run in. All see, all of a sudden, you just see them flying out in the middle of the crowd. <laughs> um, and then probably the, the best one is when they actually, when um, Kagami throws the teammate on top of the crowd and starts to crowd yeah. surf. But the one thing that made me laugh pretty hard about this whole thing is that he keeps on he shouts out in america like in english this must be japanese lunch rush japanese lunch rush ah! <laughs> and so what what he pictures when he first sees it is the uh in the subway trains when the conductors are trying to push everybody into the subway to fit on at once <laughs> which like, is also true which is also what they do too <laughs> japanese lunch rush and he's like and they're like your american is showing there and that's when he starts crowd surfing. It's like, that's not the only crowd, uh, American thing. I mean, he, he rides on him because I thought that was hilarious. Didn't make it. And all of a sudden they turn around and guess who, of course, already has their uh, bread right there? Yeah, Kuroko. He's just chilling. He's like, I got mine. 
Yeah, he's like, I just, you know, followed the ebb and the flow of the crowd, left some money, and came out with this. And they're like, ooh. So everybody, uh, everybody gets the bread, and they take it back to the second years and like, good job, guys. You you guys can have that. And so everybody takes a turn taking a bite out of this delectable sandwich with frog wall pork cutlets on it, caviar. And I think there's like a hot dog or something in there too. <laughs> no. If there was, that'd be kind of weird to have. <laughs> that'd be that'd be American right there. So they so each of them take a bite and then all of a sudden you see Corico just going, uh, uh. Um, Yeah, it's it like cuts it cuts to like where you just see the, like just the back of his head where you barely see like his face right here. And there's like, wait, we've never seen Corico smile before. And we're just like smile. Yeah. Yeah, and my favorite part is it it goes through all the all the first years, and then it goes to Kagami. He's like, I don't care what it is as long as it's big, and he's got downing this like three footer sub. It's it's called the Super BLT, which is about a, like a thousand yen, which is equivalent to like you know thirteen dollars. <laughs> uh, oh man, I love that. So then they cut into their uh, first practice game, and this is actually. I'm pretty sure this is going to be the basis of a lot of the games after now. So how the uh, high school championships work out is that, so there's the inter-high tournament, and then before the inter-high tournament, there's the preliminary rounds, and the preliminary rounds is a tournament in itself. So if you lose a game, you go home. So you got to win them, or you're going home. And, uh, you know, so they're all training for it. And uh, Risa, she actually cuts to the practice. She cuts class and goes to the first team's practice and then she comes back they're like all right we might have one player that's a problem and his name is papa mumbai siki and he's this uh tall guy who's from uh excuse me from africa and everybody starts talking about how all the japanese teams are not getting uh international players to play because they just have bigger size and they're usually more athletic than the team um and so they're all training, and then all of a sudden, uh, uh, Risa, she's like, all right, Kuroko, you and Kagami, you're on a special training regiment starting tomorrow. And they train for two weeks straight, and it just shows them running drills and everything. And part of me, that warned me. I'm like, oh, man, I miss doing all those drills in basketball. But the funny thing about this whole thing was is when they were actually talking about and show the, the picture of – uh, Papa and everything stuff. So they all were making puns about his name because like Papa, Papa, and they just keep on going like putting random stuff in there. And because of their their little uh, spiel, uh, Risa actually has asked um, Kuroko to give him a nickname, and he's just like Otosan, which means dad. Yeah. So <laughs> and, then just, and then they start making it really. And then of course you have uh, Izuki or his, sorry, I totally you know, moshed his name again, but. You have um, Izuki. Izuki just make a really bad pun again, and they all are just like ah! just, the whole team was busted laughing, and they're like, "That's horrible!" Hey, you're laughing too. Yeah. That was just a, that was a great moment there. Um, so um, the team is uh, Shinko Shinkyo High, and so and the funny thing is when they actually show up, um, Dad he ru- he runs into Koriko. And lifts him up. He's like, little kid, you shouldn't be on the court. And then he sees his jersey and they're like, you're a basketball player? And the other entire team's like, how did you guys beat uh, uh, Kiriko, or the Kisei's team? You know, there's such you're, The generation of miracles is probably not that strong. And, and I laughed at this whole scene right here because it's like, 
dad picks up lost child. That's just the first thing that popped in my head right when I saw that picture. He, he literally just picks him up like that. Um, and so when they first start playing, you know, uh, dad, he's kind of dominating because of his athleticism. And then all of a sudden the defense starts fi- fitting in. And it's not anything like the, fir- the first game with Kisei, you know. Um, it shows you that Kagami, that he was actually he actually learned how to defend. So in basketball, a block shot, that's spectacular and all. But a uh, blocking a shot is a, or bothering a shot and making the player have a bad shot is just as good as a block shot because he's not scoring points. As long as he doesn't score points, it's still pretty good. Um, so he's doing that, and the other team's going, like, what's going on? And, of course, Kuro- Kuroko and the rest of the team, they're actually scoring on them. And then Kagami's like, ah, I need to make a statement. So he turns to dad and tells him two things are going to happen. Like, one, he's going to block one of his shots. And two, Kuroko's going to give him more trouble than uh, he expects. And Kuroko's like, can you please stop calling me a kid? <laughs> yeah. And that was just right when, like, the ball was getting passed straight to dad. And Kuroko's there and just, like, bounces it right between his legs, gives it to Kagami, and he just goes in for a dunk. Yeah. Um, so that's the end of Koroko, but speaking of kids, let's go on to our next anime. We have always And our next anime is Jormungand, and it's brought to you by... Guns, because they make lots of holes. So when we last left off, we make a deadly music box. The orchestra does a curtain call. And Chinatsu puts on some panties. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> um, so we actually... I actually like this first scene, because it has nothing to do with anything else at all. Other than that, they're on a boat... And all of a sudden, they're just using an XM8 shooting off a boat, which it, looks pretty it cool. It's always a buoy. It's a buoy with a little, like, uh, water jug in there with a target on it. And they're just, like, going, oh, wow, this gun is so awesome. It's so accurate. It's so light. And they're just on the side of the boat just firing off. Yeah. It's like, it's my turn now. <laughs> um, so it cuts to uh, Coco. She's just on the deck admiring the view while they're at sea because they're on a freight uh, a fr- uh, a freighter right now, so it's just carrying large crates of, of course, weapons. He's an arms dealer. Um, all of a sudden, her phone goes off, and it's like, in ten minutes, you're on another freighter. Uh, okay, and then she's like, hurry, go hide Coco, and uh, go teach him English or something. Just go hide him. <laughs> you mean jo- uh, John? Jonah. Yeah. <laughs> all the animes are Go, Coco, hide Coco. Wait, I am Coco. <laughs> Yeah, go hide Jonah and teach him English or something. I'm like, English? Okay. Um, yeah, so it's like what happened is that she gets a phone call, like on her satellite phone, from her brother. And judging by like the by what's going on itself, it seems like there might be some tension between uh, Coco's brother and uh, Johan. Yeah, brother and sister don't seem to get well, get together well, or aren't really good buddies on there. So, um, he comes in and he, and the funny thing is, uh, what's her name says, Oh, you look almost like each other, like identical twins, except you're cuter. Um, it was, uh, Chikata or Chiquita. And, uh, so it enters in Coco's brother or, uh, Casper. 
um, with a C or a K, depending on how you want to spell it. And uh, so he's like, sister, I have some things for you right here. You think you can sell them? He's like, they're already sold. Just put them on there. I'll get rid of them. <laughs> um, it's not a matter of selling them. It's a matter of delivering them. <laughs> yeah. And then it cuts to, uh, who was it? Uh, Jonah learning English with uh, one of the guys. And he's telling him the story. Ow. Matt, no. Uh, no, no, it's not Mal. Mal's the other guy. The other dude. Um, but he's telling him a story about this Chinese guy who has a pike, and he says, that can stab through anything. And he's like, look at this shield. This shield can defend against anything. And they're like, so one person in the crowd is like, how about you try stabbing the shield with the pike? And that is the uh, pike and the shield conundrum. Use the pike to stab the shield? <laughs> yeah. Um. So, it was just a metaphor using the using the term like conundrum, trying to show that you know, if you prove something wrong to someone else and they don't think it through, they're just, it's gonna they're gonna leave them confused, in a sense. And the story was just a really interesting thing that he that was trying to teach Johan, and it was just like you want to know more, and then he's just very curious about it, and it kind of cuts away from there. Yeah. So and then it says, uh, so. Uh, Casper and Coco are talking, and he's like, "So there, there's the Chinese." And she's like, "The Chinese are everywhere." Uh, um, but he's like, "You," and he's he's so he's like, "You should be aware of the Dising High Company, which is another I think I guess competing um, arms dealer company dude thing." Um, and the, since they're going to Africa right now. And he's, and then all of a sudden he's like, "Can I go to the bathroom?" And she's like, "You don't have to ask me to go to the bathroom." The uh, greatest part about this is too, you see like uh, Volman just back there laughing. Yeah, I don't think so. And then at that time, that's right when Jonah's like, "I gotta go pee," so so he he's in the bathroom right now on some pipes, uh, peeing, and then all of a sudden uh, Casper comes by. And then, you know, they're just kind of in there. And, you know, what do you think he did? I swear to God, Casper took a peek at Jonah. I really did. Because you just think about Yeah, and then so what Jonah does is he pulls a knife and, like, comes right at uh, Casper. And all of a sudden, uh, Casper's bodyguard actually grabs him. Uh, yeah. Grabs him and she's uh, she's like, really? You're gonna use this kind of blade to stab him? And she's just holding him. And Casper's just sitting there washing his hands and everything. And he's like, uh, Jonah, I haven't seen you in a while. It's been quite some time. And it actually and cuts. We back go into like a past. small past of um, of Johan because you know we're talking about like we'd, hopefully we'd be able to see some uh, past story with him. So like three months prior to. Uh, Johan was a part of uh, just a resistance, like a reinforcement to this other resistance group on this base. And from there, it was just it was him and like three other orphans that were sent as their um, as a reinforcements. And you know, because they're orphans, and everything itself, they just kind of use them as uh, guinea pigs. So, like for example, it was take a couple of them, go out to a field and everything, and just and use them as um, landmine baits, so to yeah. speak. Um, but because of this, um, one of uh, John's friends, uh, Makia, is taken away and never seen again. So John gets really, really pissed about this. Starts uh, collecting some uh, collecting a gun with a bunch of clips and everything. Self tapes a knife to his hand and just starts laying waste to this base. 
you know, like everybody was going in a panic. It's like, where, why can't we see him? Why can't we see him? And they're just, just see him taking out like the entire base gets the commander, takes out the commander, you know, finds this, uh, this guy who is totally a journalist, but yeah. is actually an arms dealer he, he, takes him out. He even manages to trick the soldiers on the base to start shooting at each other. And yeah. uh, they're like, stop shooting. You're going to hit each other right there. Um, he takes out the entire base and then all of a sudden he just like feels this eerie essence around him. He just backs up behind a container and is like, I feel like I'm surrounded. Um, and then it, uh, then all of a sudden you see Chiquita and Casper walk in and just like, um, pin him down and everything. And, uh, so he's like, Oh, you, you, uh, you just killed everybody on this base. You even killed my own, you killed my own guy right there. Um, but and then uh, so Jonah's kind of still fighting and stuff, and Chiquita's like he's just like a Misha or a Russian bear because um, he's pretty vicious about that. And so Casper's like, "You just actually did me a favor. I was not really going to sell him any weapons. I just wanted to clear out this base so armies could drive by without having any problems." Um, and so what happens is that uh, he's like, "But you still have to pay for my men that you killed." So um, he's like, he takes the three remaining kids away, and Jonah's like, no, don't take them. You can take me and stuff. But um, what happens is they actually throw Jonah into a uh, shipping container and lock him up for a couple of days, and all he has is water in there. Um, and then Jonah starts going in and talking about how he was thinking about life and everything in his head during that time. So... What uh, happens is that when he actually gets out, he has to uh, trade his services as a child soldier for the safety of his three friends right there. Um, And so then it all cuts back to uh, Valment, where she's just like, she looks on edge, just on a boat, and... um, it looks like something happened, and that's probably why she only she ha- only has one eye. Something happened in Africa, and everybody's like, "Calm down, calm down." Um, and then just for some random scene, right there is uh, what's it, uh, Teen? So Coco just shows Teen into this crater, and she's like, "This is called a uh, evolve something," and Teen's like, "It's beautiful," and. <laughs> She's like, well, since our last car was broken up, uh, I figured we needed a new one. So here's this one's for you, and I trust your uh, driving skills on this. And he's just like, oh, I love this. Actually, the funny thing about that is it's not teen. It's actually supposed to be team. Apparently, I just didn't put an M there. Good job, Dito. Spell the wrong thing. Do you think I remember names? Gosh. No, just I like didn't even know it, so that, that's my bad right there, actually. Let me go, let me just go change that right now, even though it doesn't make any sense. Team, there. Yeah. <laughs> so, guys, when I look like an idiot, it's usually because of Tito's fault. Not really. Yes, but yeah, we'll yes, just actually, go with that story. That's the main reason. If <laughs> we'll go with that story. Like, okay, KT, bad, I try for it. <sighs> yeah, just like how you spelled pork, pork, or pork. Or you left out the O, so it's pock earlier. Um... <laughs> So it turns out that uh, Jonah, he doesn't like to do math or science because he's hiding from Mao now. And everybody's like, well, good luck finding the kid. I doubt he wants to be found. So 
better luck better luck next time on there and uh all of a sudden it then it cuts to the first time Coco and Jonah meet and they're on a street in Japan so uh Jonah's friends are safe in Japan and then all of a sudden Coco's there it's like you have a really stern face and she comes up it's like you have a face of ice it's like I'm gonna melt it to you. um yeah Coco's gonna melt Jonah's face yeah. You you know what's funny is that <laughs> I didn't know how I felt about Coco at the beginning of the series, and now I'm like starting to. She's growing on me. <laughs> she's growing. She is on that. Me. She's that energetic, crazy person that is just absolutely like fun. It's just like one of those people you just like as crazy as they are, they're fun to be around. All right, now on to episode two or episode six, the second episode of our duo right here. Um. So everybody's on the uh, boat, and all of a sudden there's these boat or these little tiny boats. Are, they're they're not even like big boats. So because they're on this giant ocean freight freighter, so it's pretty big. And you see these little boats coming out, and Coco's running. Everybody, get ready for battle positions! Battle positions! Come on! And the funny thing is, everybody else is kind of just walking casually. All right, we're getting there. We're getting there. And the yeah. best part about this is too is that you see all these these boats drive by itself and they're just like stupid pirates. So they're basically being attacked by two boats and a helicopter, so to speak. And as they're trying to circle around and everything, there you see the which is called Enemy Two, which is a helicopter that is a Denzel Axton or an Axton Arix with eight eighty millimeter rockets that's coming straight toward them, but then one of the team members pulls out a big minigun and just starts laying waste into it, probably from a good, you know, 75 feet at best. And yeah. if you're that close with a minigun, you're just going to get shredded. <laughs> and the best part about this was then you have the enemy one, which is the commanding ship, you know, just a little boat with the, the commander giving all the orders and everything. Um, they managed to get close enough to where they threw some C4 in and he's just kind of click, click, boom. Mm. And the other team's like, crap, the command ship's gone. And all of a sudden they look over and an RPG's coming right at him. <laughs> um, and then Jonas sees a grappling hook that actually got hooked onto the boat. So he's looking over with his gun and he sees a kid right there. Um, it's probably no more, no more, like his age is not much different from Jonas, to be honest. Yeah. So um, he takes the kid prisoner and he's on there and it's like, um, I, t- I tried to pull him on board and tie him up, but he just started beating me. So I hit him. So both of them are kind of like bruised. And all of a sudden, everybody just goes, <laughs> Everyone just starts laughing. Like they're all seriously like going, uh. And then it's just like, he started fighting back. <laughs> um, I would too, actually. Yeah. Um. So, you know, we're seeing what's going to happen. And then Coco cuts him free and is like, can you swim? And he's like, what? It's like, we're near the coast. You can swim to the coast. And just like, have has him jump overboard and she throws him a life buoy and's like and the kid just swims away. I have a feeling he's gonna come back in a future episode. Yep. Whether being good or bad, I'm pretty sure we're gonna see him again. So now we cut we cut into another part where we meet up with our old friend Scarecrow that yes. is uh, so called talking with the Daijin company Chang Gonming. Which, you know, because he's talking to himself, you figure he's probably one of the big wigs of this company. And, you know, after 
so-called threatening him a little bit. He leaves with a phone call where his assistant, Karin, goes up to the bodyguard of uh, Scarecrow, kind of flashes her panties at him, and she beats the living crap out of him. And then all of a sudden, he's uh, Mr. Chang. He's like, don't kill him. We have a lot to explain if we kill him. He's like, as you wish. <laughs> and as she gets up and everything, he's just like, oh, you got blood on you. And she just gets like this weird look on her face of smiling, just kind of like, may I use the restroom? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just kind of like, what? But the funny part about this is, too, is that it cuts back to Scarecrow talking to about how Coco having missiles and everything itself. And he's just like going, oh, they're not paying in cash, they're paying in diamonds. And then you hear the door shut and they're just like walking away while he's taking a, cup, like a sip of coffee. Just kind of like. Spit take! <laughs> it, just, it just goes off everywhere. And the best part about this whole thing was is that I don't know how she could have gone to the bathroom and washed and cleaned herself up if she if that was the first time they left the room. Yeah, so he he's trying to run after him. He's like, hey, stop. And then he sees the bodyguard beat up and he's like, how would you let the kung fu girl beat you up? You're just <laughs> laying there to pool your own blood. <laughs> um, so they, they walk away and then it cuts into this, uh, I guess this girl's going to be the, the story because it's a two-part episode. And we only talk about the first part in this episode of Kita. Um where it's Doctor Miami, and she's pretty nuts. She so she's a, she's a butterfly nerd. Yeah, she's a huge butterfly nerd. And the funny thing is, like, I have to go tomorrow. And the guy's like, it's kind of a kind of rash that you're going on this hike. It's like, I have to go tomorrow. I have to save my babies. And the funny thing is, she freaks out the same way Coco does by like rolling around on her bed. <laughs> yeah, that was the funniest part too. But then she like grabs her laptop and everything after saying, "There's snow up there." You know, Moko's just kind of like this. You can't go up there. There's probably no butterflies there because of the snow and everything. And she pulls out like a GPS, uh, this navigation, like Google Maps satellite things, and everything itself, and just goes in and starts talking about they're there because of Doctor James says it is and everything. Like believe in Doctor James, and he's just like, "Who?" <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's just like it's just funny because it's like Dade. Yeah, and I'm just like. <laughs> so it, it was just it was priceless. Yeah, so it actually turns out that a uh, Doctor Miami, she's a expert in robotics, and she actually built a little mechanical robot butterfly that she catches, and she's like, I don't care if they end up using my inventions for uh, war or destruction. You know, um, those probably could actually be good ways of delivering C4 directly at someone. Let's say. Um, so they're supposed to actually meet at a weapons expo. So it cuts back to the team. And I I love this is early morning. You just see, uh, Val Mint is working out and then Coco or not Coco Jonah shows up and she's like, rubber knives, you want to practice? And they just have a, instead of having breakfast, I guess they have a early morning knife fight. fight. <laughs> <laughs> to see exactly what it is to have a knife fight too, again, our Facebook page, uh, one of the videos I posted up there was our, our season game as we had a knife fight with rubber knives. I videotaped a few of them. Go ahead and check that out and laugh at our horrible, horribleness. Yeah, I, I love how she finishes it off too because Coco or uh, Jonah jumps and then she just grabs him and it's like, if you jump, you expose yourself and she just carries him off. Let's go have a shower before we have to go. <laughs> <laughs> she just like this. It's just like, you know, just catch and just well let's go and you know shower and get some lunch and just walks off with them just yeah. like wow and, and jonah's just like oh. 
Um, so Coco, she's waiting at that conference, which is the Diesa. 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 Yeah. And uh, Lee like, found the acronym for it. Yeah. <laughs> Lee Hem's like, I bet you anything, she's not going to show up. I bet you five bucks she's not going to show. And sure as rain, here comes one of uh, her assistants, I'd say. Her assistants comes up and is just like you know, apologizing to herself. It's like, just because you're here, itself, she bailed, all right? Yeah, she went off on a butterfly hunt. And she's like, ah. But, and she's like, she, emailed, she mailed me her GPS address and hands it to Coco. Um, and then all of a sudden, Coco just hears this annoying voice she's like that voice and she turns around it's the uh british guy that we met in a couple episodes ago and they're sad the first episode mind yeah you. The, yeah the first episode and they're like how do you feel about this weapon expo and he's like uh i think i might be pulling out of the middle east and asia and she kind of and he's like well excuse me and all of a sudden there's a guy at the door and of Ooh. course it's uh mr chang and you think oh this is going to be like some con- confrontation but he walks up to his like Coco, um, excuse me, I can't talk right now because of my fo- foot. Would you mind joining me for dinner later on? And this is probably the funniest thing too, is because the first thing she says is like, "As long as it's a five-star Chinese restaurant, sure, anytime." And I was like, "Oh, I like you." And so they walk away, and um, Coco hands Liam the note. It's like, "I ha- uh, a guy asked me to dinner tonight," and it's like, "Of course, you have to go." So she hands him here. Take this note, take whoever you need, and go. Um, so the funny thing is they all drive off. There's like eight of them in a car packed with all the gear. They're driving off, and then it, you sh- it shows Mr. Chang again. It's like, get there before her team does. And so kind of a – so we actually see the whole team going off in this car. And the funny thing is uh, Lee Hyum's like, uh, Jonah – Wrap your gun in white tape because it's going to be a lot of snow. So you see him wrapping it up in tape. And uh, so the funny thing is Dr. Miami, she's walking and she, her bodyguard's like, why do you have that? It's like, I need that to protect you. And it's like, oh, I think we'll be fine. And she just marches off. Um, <laughs> this is the weirdest thing about the, this, the whole thing itself is that when they get to the point when they start hiking in the mountains and everything itself, you see the... I think it was like her name. Her last name was like Vow or something like that. But we'll just we'll just call her. Let's call her um, crap. Karen is her name. That's right. Cotton. Cotton. We see Cotton there giving orders to the other one itself is to start, just start going, keeping some distance from the doctor and everything. Where you have the other team, you know, you have uh, Coco's team just kind of trekking through the mountains and everything. Where you have one of them comes up to him and just like, so where is everyone? As a joke. And he's just like, what are you talking about? We're, there's eight of them surrounding us. He's just kind of like, what? And everyone's like, didn't you know? I mean, maybe you should probably go in the, like, exile yourself in the mountains with Joe and for some uh, training. <laughs> and he's just like, ugh. And then Vomit just like, he said, ugh. And just sort of <laughs> laughing again. And then so, and then all of a sudden, uh, Jonah's like, how do you say uh, doctor. Do- doctor in Japanese? And they're like, Hakase. And all of a sudden, Jonah just starts yelling, Hakase! Hakase! And then just starts shooting blindly into the field. And uh, so Mr. Chang's men, they're like hiding. And one of the guys is like, they found us. And the other guy's like, no, he's just shooting blindly to force us out. Mr. Chang wasn't there. Or Mr. Chang's men. Yes. Men. I didn't say Mr. Chang. 
you see Mr. Chang was there. Like, yeah. um, so one <laughs> but, guy actually starts yeah. opening fire uh, at them. And Coco's team, they're like, perfect. And the, Karen, she's, she's like, you just ruined my plan. So she pulls out her handguns. And the weird thing is her belt already has, like, for some reason has two, two bullets on there. I noticed that. And she pulls them out. And they're she, two clips. She she just affixes two bayonets on, on the uh, end of her pistols, of all things. I'm like, okay, <laughs> and you think it's she's, a dual dual wielding pistol knives, basically. Yeah, and you think she's gonna go like rush out and attack uh, Coco's team, but all of a sudden she just shoots the guy who uh, gave away their location in the head, and. All of a sudden, it cuts to Valmant, and she sees a sh- she sees the shadow of the girl, and it goes into this cre- cutback of uh, how she lost her eye, and all of a sudden she just has this creepy face, staring at a. Uh, no, at, she has a creepy smile. Yeah. Not a creepy face. Creepy smile. Creepy smile, and it just ends there. And uh, Jonas like, Valmant, <laughs> and that ends part one of the episode. But we only do two episodes, so. You're just going to have to wait until the next Kita to see what we think about part two. Dun, dun, dun. But you don't have to wait for season two of Korewa no Zombie Desuka. Of the dead! Koriwa is brought to you by Yodeling and Pelvic Thrusts. It cures underworld colds. <laughs> Just a warning for everybody here. Our protagonist is a zombie, so please do not try this at home. So, when we last left off, Mr. Lin gets some morphine. We learn about voodoo dancing. And we see how to get a free meal at a maid cafe. Oh, yeah. So we start out the whole the whole series or the whole show with uh, Sarah needing to go back to the village for whatever reasons. We find out that uh, Yuki is there too, and they're having the measurements done because the elders have their reasons. Right. Uh, that's what Dito says. I have a feeling like right. Dito would be one of the elders in this village. Probably, I would be making them all dress up in maid outfits. Calling them vampire ninjas. <laughs> you get some ninjas, yes. But then we cut to seeing you with a whole bunch of frozen tangerines because apparently they really don't have much food left since Sarah took off. Because you know we have Ayakawa doing all the chores and everything itself, and it seems like a lot of it's piling up. Yeah, it looks like Sarah was the housewife of the group. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, well, really. Well, everybody was gone. Um... And so he's like, I can't go outside. There's sun outside. So he's going to, he, he's going to go ask uh, Haruna. It's like, can you go? And she just rides by on, she's riding on a Zoom, Roomba. And she's like, I can't right now. I'm busy. <laughs> and the Roomba just zooms by. I'm just looking at me going, isn't, aren't one of those things supposed to try to clean with no supervision? Is that the whole point of them? Dito, riding a Zumba takes, or Roomba takes a lot of concentration, man. You can't just like. If you're not paying attention, you could fly off on those. It's dangerous. Apparently. It, it, very apparently, because Harna has proven this to us. So one day, I'm going to have to try that myself. Yeah. And then, so, 
Aiko was talking to you and she kind of doesn't look that well. And all of a sudden she uh, collapses. And he's like, you, you. Um, so Haruna and, uh, and uh, Aiko get her on a futon and everything. And then he's, and he's like, Haruna, can you go get her some ice? So she disappears to go buy ice. And this is probably Dito's awesome. This is, the, this is the, like, the funny, the, a couple different things here make me laugh at here. One, Harna goes and gets, leaves to get ice, where they should have an ice box full of ice. But instead, she takes the long route. Um, Aikawa is like, trying to figure out what he needs to do to, because uh, he's burning up here. So he's like the moment he goes for is like I gotta remove her clothes and everything and you know because she's just gonna get a catch a cold in her own sweat and he's like wait no I can't do this and he just starts going through all these like perverted th- things and stuff he's like no I'm trying to do this like the most pure intent and everything so <laughs> he ends up putting gloves on putting a bandana around his his uh, a blindfold on sorry and just like meditation mode <laughs> so and then he goes straight into like trying to uh, trying to remove uh, use armor and clothing and instead he, he finds the Dyson fan and pulls <laughs> off the fan and just I'm just sitting there going like no, no. not the fan I saw because like, I just oh, I just gonna be pissed <laughs> <laughs> and then it, all, was, it was just yeah. very interesting all of a sudden uh, you grabs Aiko's hands like huh you're over here <laughs> <laughs> So then uh, you is uh, sitting up and everything while Ayaka was still blindfolded with gloves on and like rubbing her shoulders. She's like, what is this? Isn't this like, this is her shoulders and everything and stuff. And realizes like, wait a minute, she's not wearing a bra. And he just goes and just kind of like freaks out and everything. So just in time to where Harna comes through the door with the ice pick and this huge block of ice, grabs Ayakawa by the head with the ice pick or the ice I don't know what we really call it. I call an ice pick. And just throws him against the wall. Yeah, and so he hits so hard that he leaves an imprint of his face. A bloody imprint of upper his torso, face. The bloody upper torso of his uh, face on the wall. Just <laughs> Yeah, and then I thought this was actually funny. So um, after they get her changed and everything, he puts a cold towel on Yu's forehead. But not really on her forehead. It's on her headpiece. She's still wearing her headpiece, and he just puts a cold towel on there. I'm like, yeah, that's really going to happen. <laughs> it's, it's super effective. Um, so Aiko is like, I wonder if I can just take her to a doctor or do I have to do something special? So I'm like, wait, Anderson's from the underworld. I'll call him. And uh, so Anderson's <laughs> okay. like... This whole next part here... I had to spend like five minutes to rewatch because Anderson gives him some basic, uh, just says, do you really want to help you? He's like, yes, then follow my instructions. No questions asked. So he's just like yodel. And he's just, like, yodeling. Like when I was sick last time, someone came and yodeled and I felt a lot better. So he's just like, all right, he you know, pops out there and starts yodeling and everything. And he's just like, all right, now you have to, Strip down to your underwear and perform sidesteps. <laughs> so we literally, you see him like I really might want to make a gif of this. You see him in the closet or in the hallway, just starts like doing, starts doing his like, like strip tease dance, you know, <laughs> and starts rips off his shirt and everything, gets right and then jumps straight next to you and everything, starts doing some more dance, some more uh, weird dancing, 
puts his fist into his pants and starts pelvic thrusting, yeah. just like, oh, oh, just like, <laughs> it was like the most, like, best thing I've seen in this episode that made me laugh so hard that I actually had to pause and I, I just head desk, head to desk. That's all I had to say, just laughing. You know, you need to learn how to do this dance. I think it might be helpful for you later on in life. You know, I I really want to learn it. I'm <laughs> I'm going to like later on this week. I'm going to like spend like take that clip out. I'm just going to edit that clip out, make a gif of it, and I'm going to leave it you on know, the website. I, I want you to learn how to do this dance. You want me to learn how just to just go? <sighs> yes. <laughs> if your pants will stretch that far, yes. <laughs> it's like a baby arm holding an apple. <laughs> um. So Haruna shows up with the uh, whatever they call it gruel because she's making egg gruel. Um. And she's like, "What in the world are you doing?" And she kicks him again, and he leaves yet another mark on the wall. And he's like, "It's not my fault. Anderson told me to do it." And Anderson is just like laughing right now. It's like. I just wanted you guys. I just you were it's so proud. Of him. I had to take the opportunity to do this. <laughs> and he got like, he got trolled like yeah. I kind of got trolled so hard by Anderson. It was just priceless. And this is exactly the reason why I will never take advice from Dino if I am ever sick. I'm just saying. That's the best advice. That's the best advice. <laughs> um, but he's like, oh, she'll probably be fine as long as she gets a good night's rest and everything. So. Cuts to a scene where, again, Aikawa is replacing the cold pack again on the on the headpiece, and she's like, "Oh, it's look like she's passed out. She's sound asleep." So he goes to bed. He's laying in bed, and all of a sudden, he hears just a thud in front of his door, and it's uh, you. And she and she holds up her uh, and she's like, "Can I sleep with you tonight?" And Aikawa's like, "Ooh." So he, he barely he just basically lost his mind there, just because you's already wanting to like to spend the night with them because she's sick really. yeah so it cuts to the next scene and if you guys were wondering why in the world i was making that face in the intro that's pretty much what it exactly looked like in the in the anime while he's laying next to her then <laughs> um, and at this point we see that in the that Harna comes in and just like I can't find you anywhere, and he's and as he like covers her up, so she's like going, "Oh crap!" You know, tells tells her like, "Oh, I found I found these uh, these mittens that will keep her keep her hands warm and everything," and they're just cat gloves. Yeah, and then she pulls out this gnome, and she's like, "You know how hard it was for me to find this gnome?" And it's just like this fat thing on. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> this is what I found to be. It's, it's like a root, basically, yeah. and it's kind of like a mandrake, you know, for the ledge of the mandrake to pull it out and everything. It's a human-shaped root and everything, and it screams can kill people. But this one's in bondage, you know. Yeah, it was like a fat little root in bondage, and I just didn't know how to explain this. So whatever floats your boat, Nito. <laughs> Apparently, and she's like, everybody in Viri knows if you take one of these, you'll feel better. <laughs> Um, and then all of a sudden he moves and uncovers you and she's like uh, alright I'll let you have her tonight 
just because she's not feeling great. Just wants to be close. Um, then in the middle of the night, Aikawa just wakes up on the floor and he's like, what? Why am I on the floor? And he looks over and there's Haruna cuddling with you on his bed. And he's like, uh, okay, I guess she's the one who's sleeping with you tonight. Uh, okay. And so in the morning, we wake up, or when he wakes up and everything, then we find Anderson sitting in his living room. And then we discover the reason why that you're so sick is because that apparently those little white pieces and the tangerines is poisonous to underworld people. Those white pieces are poisonous to normal people. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, enough to make them just like that. But, unfortunately, there is a cure. And both uh, Anderson and Harna know it. They just don't know which one. So think of every single uh, household remedy, um, like mother's remedies, just everything. You have to cure hiccups and all that stuff. So, and they try all I, of it so on you. At one of them is you're supposed to take your drink and supposed to turn it clockwise while you're drinking. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think one of them was uh, use like – Maybe I should just drink lots of cola, and that will make me feel better. <laughs> yeah, but the the one that w- that made me laugh was you must bathe bathe in water covered in soy flour at forty six degrees centigrade for thirty six minutes. And they're like, I don't know, we should try it. And all of a sudden, you just see the uh, room filled with like um, soy flour on the TV and everything. And I was like. Oh man, Sarah's like, gonna I, kill me after this. <laughs> and he's like, "You actually got better. Which one of them actually worked?" And Anderson's like, "Let's not let's not uh, pay attention to details. Let's, let's just be glad she's well again." <laughs> and they just kind of play it off like nothing happened. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, Har- Haruna she just starts like, "Hatch, hatch," and it's like, "Could it be contagious?" And it's like, "No, I don't think anybody other than Underworlders can get that." And it's like, "Oh, so it's just a common cold." And uh, it kind of actually reflects back to all the little hints. And Aiko was like noticing that Haruna was kind of hinting she was sick too, but she didn't want to let on because she didn't want to uh, have him worry about both of them. So he's first trying to get her into the futon in bed. And uh, Yu's like, here, I'll take care of you and everything. And he's like, you got to get changed out of those clothes because you're sick. And... Of course, that moment while they're wrestling is when Sarah comes in, and she's like, "You pervert, swallow pervert reversal." Just basically, it's like an axe kick to the friggin' head. And of course, he flies across the room again. <laughs> um, and she's like, "Okay, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go make your what was it again? They called it the." Uh, what is that food they're making? It's pretty much rice porridge. Yeah, it's it, it's gruel. They're gruel, like, yeah. Gruel. Uh, Sarah, Sarah's gonna do some make some gruel too, but she ends up finding the same kind of roots, but it's like old man, like dried up version. I'm just like yeah. in the same bondage. I'm just like, oh god. She's like, that's the secret <laughs> the ingredient right there. <laughs> um, and then so. That's the end of the first or the first of the two episodes. And it's odd that actually this episode of Corey is kind of self-contained. We don't have a lot of those episodes that are self-contained like that. So the uh, second episode, 
we uh, see um, Sensei taking a bath. Giggity. Uh, <laughs> and with, uh, like, with all things, like Kazayakawa calls up Dai Sensei, and she has news saying that Mastillion is back, and all you hear is that ought to be back. Ought to be back. That's all. They're like, wait a minute. Is Dai Sensei taking a bath with Mastillion? Yeah, and all of a sudden he just like revs up in the bathtub. And you're like, okay. So it actually cuts to the classroom scene. And you think the teacher's up there. No, Haruno's up there. And she's like, all right, we will have a SWAT-themed festival. And, and it goes into this whole thing on how um, she's known as the egg-cooking master to a lot, a lot of the... Uh, of the of the of uh what's her name's cooking club so they all in love with her and then uh, orito tells her uh, how awesome how how she made an awesome festival so she's somehow in charge of the school festival now and of all things like karna gets involved with aikawa's school and become basically their advisor for the culture festival and, and just like how oh okay well i'll okay. roll this <laughs> and so first they want to do a swat themed and then uh, Aiko was like, that's stupid. How are we going to do that? And it's like, do you have any other ideas? And he's like, maybe a monster cafe? And then nobody says anything. The room's dead silent. And all of a sudden, uh, Harun's like, I actually like that, that idea. And then everybody's like, oh, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. It just shows you how much influence Aiko really has because – he just kind of like, oh, it's a horrible day. As soon as uh, Harness says anything, everyone's like, if Harness says so, it has to be good. <laughs> yeah. So they agree to do a monster cafe. And um, you can explain this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so Ayaka was uh, walking back on the on the riverbed, riverside and everything. So, where he just meets some <laughs> blood-pummeting guy who's just like, it looks like what would be considered coughing. But he's just like, every time he does, he's like, he's like, just starts <laughs> vomiting blood and he, I was just like oh this guy's creepy so the only thing he really does is give Ayakawa a ring and he's like you'll find a time when you need to use this and then he starts walking off and he's just like blah, blah, just as he's walking off and I'm just like what the hell is that all about and yeah he just goes I'm like okay um then we cut to our next scene so then it and my favorite uh, character. Yes. So Ayaka was just talking, is just like, goes into this little room and everything, starts talking off, and he's just like, starts, starts saying about how everything's going better for him and how things are starting to turn around. And it, we finally see our drunken fairy finally comes back, and she's just kind of gives some like pretty serious advice. Then grabs a sake bottle and just starts. You see her chug, probably a good three fourths of it. And he's like, "Isn't that a bit much?" Like, of course it is. Ah! And then she goes back into her drunken fairiness and passes out. <laughs> passes out. <laughs> like we see our drunk fairy, and then she's gone. <laughs> and he's like, "Don't drink too much." Oh, I always do. Ah! <laughs> uh-huh. so, so then we we find a. Uh, I call it back in the classroom working on the sign where he, um, Hirimatsu comes back and try and gives you know, him a, cu- a canned coffee. I didn't actually get a look at the name brand too much, but Dr. Ginger, Dr. Ginger. Yes. <laughs> it's, uh, we're going back to, uh, 
to uh, guilt the crown. crown down. Yeah, it's Dr. Ginger. Let's oh, go. Uh, <laughs> so she's like, Offer some help, uh, Ayakawa, to finish up the sign, you know, the menu for the Monster Cafe. And they kind of have a moment. Uh, 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 they, they, so uh, they're, they're uh, connecting uh, the borders around and they see, oh, there's a loose end. And both of them reach for it and they almost grab each other's hand. And then all of a sudden a teacher comes in and is like, what are you two doing here? It's getting late. You guys should head home. They're like, oh, okay. And then just kind of run off. And so they they, they start uh, walking back home and have a little scene there. So, but then Ayakawa gets back home, and sure enough, Harna is there, just kind of like, guess what? Guess what? I'll be back. back. I'll be (laughs) back. There's this whole like Terminator scene where this big energy ball starts forming up, and you know, Mastillion comes in through it, and all three of them, like uh, Sarah, you, and Harna, all have sunglasses on, like men in black, men in black sunglasses. And, and it's all the same. I'll be back. I'll be back. I'll be back. And if you again check that out on uh, KTDatas.net reviews Facebook page, I did post that there for that. And I was like, Master. So he transforms. You now we have finally, after a few episodes, we see our cross-dressing zombie come back With and starts. It just starts flying through the air, like Nyan Cat style so, with rainbows. Nyan Cat, Sailor Moon. <laughs> You know, it's like you just take any like Maha Shoujo, just they're just flying through the sky, trying just erasing everyone's memory. Like they, yeah. he ever was a cross-dressing pervert, which and, he still is. And, and so he shows up for the festival in the morning, all happy, like I'll see you guys at the festival. And he walks, and then all of a sudden he's just like, uh, and he's dressed up as the as uh, Dracula's bride. <laughs> I was like, ah. <laughs> uh. I thought I got Add that fire into the frying pan. <laughs> and the funny thing is it cuts through all the people and they're gi- giving him the same things he said before. Like, I like your legs. I kind of like them too. I didn't really want to hear that. Oh, why? why? It, it doesn't matter. It's like, he's like, Gaia, curse you. It's like, and then, <laughs> then you just puts up a sign just says it's endless cycle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and then uh, Harna kind of drags, come here, come here, Aiko. And they take her to her booth. And she's selling CDs. All of a sudden, and she's like, we haven't sold any CDs. And so she presses play on it. And guess what kind of music it is? Chicka, 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 chicka. And then everyone just like falls over. over. It's voodoo music beginning again. <laughs> yeah, apparently what they did is they put out like a few dozen CDs between Yuki and Harana about their voodoo dancing and their voodoo music. And yeah, so they're trying to sell it and then you just goes up and presses play again and everybody's like, ah! and they manage and then she's like, fine, I'll have to sell them directly. Um, so, so after that, we Yuki's now have like, uh, Sarah and you helping out Harna trying to sell her CDs. Yeah, so, but Yuki's like, I need to talk to you for a second. So, she pulls him away and shows him this note, and it's like, "Meet me under the something something tree in the schoolyard," or and uh, Which, it looks like a uh, it looks like a ransom note to be yeah, honest. Yeah, ransom note. And then y- Yuki goes into this whole talking to herself about, "Oh no, this is where everybody confesses," and blah blah. And then Aiko was like, "This is usually the lucky spot where they confess, and usually they have better luck and stuff." So she's going all red and everything. 
and then all and uh Aikawa turns to her and she runs and hits a button on the tree. It's giant button that you don't know that how do you not notice <laughs> big that? Red button. It's like it's the big red button you cannot push. Um, and she managed to push it and a wash pan just ping, just hits her in the head and she kinda of passes out. Yeah, and then all of a sudden this like being pops out of her. Her her fire summoning spirit basically pops out and everything and is gonna about to self destruct again. Where our <laughs> lab coat guy, because I don't know his name, <laughs> starts coming. It comes in there, tells him, that, "You have the ring. You must place it. On, you must. Ha- you must use the ring." And so Michael puts it on his hand. He's like, "Like this? No, on her." So he runs yeah. over there, puts it on her ring finger of all places, yeah. and the ring is, has the power to seal any unchecked power. Yeah, he's like, "That's a Mistelin Island uh, uh, item right there. As long as she wears it." The unchecked power won't escape. And so Yuki comes back forward and she sees a ring on her finger. It's like, oh, what's this? It's like, I know. I know we're her wife and everything, but wow. I really, and Aiko's like, let me explain. No, no. She's like, oh. And then he tries to get closer. No, no, no. It's not time yet for our kiss. And she just runs off. It just uh, bolts. Just <laughs> um, And then it, right then it cuts to Harna and Yuki. And as another tribute to other animes, because they blatantly hat tip a lot of animes, guess what uh, the uh, Aikawa, or not Aikawa, um, Haruna and company are wearing? Bunny suits. Bunny suits. Yes, and with the signs of 99% off, they're selling CDs. But after that, Arna comes finds uh, Ayakawa to let him know a megalo came back. And it's two of them on top of each other. It has a little rat and an ape. And the rat's going, what's your bra size? What's <laughs> your bra size? And you can, that's you, all they're asking. It's like E-G-F. And the ape's just like, I'm aroused. <laughs> yeah. I'm aroused. <laughs> and I'm just like, what the hell? Um... So, so now we have Harna and Ayakawa both transform yeah. into Maho Shoujo. She has this little device that takes some mystical powers that allows her to transform. So both of them are transformed. And then, of course, they do their trademark name, the Double Mistelen Kick. But this before that, it comes down to um, Harna tries to attack it. And it tries to attack the guy. I don't want to say the rat. I don't even know his name. But he has a gun. And yeah. he's about to shoot. He's like goes points straight at uh, Harna's face and everything. And the only problem is that it's like here's the trigger. is like too far from his finger. And he's like, I, I can't, can't pull the trigger. trigger. So that's when they get into their double mystiline kick. It's not a kick. Yeah. And the worst part is that they they cut the rat and then they get to the, the ape where it takes a – quick peek at Ayakawa's panties and he's just like I'm aroused I'm like oh gosh <laughs> and they cut him in half and finally you see him disappear and then this is the weird part it cuts to her uh, magical fairy she doesn't seem drunk and she's all serious and then suddenly she walks away and Harna goes into immense pain about something so yeah. we're about to find out exactly what just happened oh no Cory was getting serious on us no more, <laughs> more randomness. <laughs> it's gonna turn into Shauna. Oh no! <laughs> oh god, I hope not. It's only twelve episodes. <laughs> twelve episodes of talking, Dito. Oh, yeah. Who 
and then then we get the Shauna punch to lighten everything up again. Yeah. But you know that's the end of the episode, and it's also the end of the Kita. Um, we made it through Dito, and we made it like under time for once. It's crazy. Yes, under time. Yes, for once we're actually on time almost. Yeah. So for all of you guys out there who are watching this after, come watch us live. Ktdata.net forward slash live. You see all the stuff. You you you're gonna miss out. You missed out on the best thing ever before we started the show. I didn't. I wasn't recording then, so I don't even have video for you. But it was awesome. Dito loved it. Everybody else loved it. Um, you can talk in the chat room. You know, there's good people out there, or maybe not. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> good times. And make sure you guys check out. And uh, of course, we do it live every two weeks. So our next episode is actually June fifth. Wow, June's already coming up on us. Which June's means sneaking up there. Nerdtacular and Anime Expo. Yes. Uh, all, all in come, June. All coming up. Uh, of course, all that stuff will be covered on ktdata.net. I still got to get a bag of crap video up. And I'm getting another bag of crap coming in. So, bags of crapness all coming up. Also, check out, too, I got my bag of loot, too. I put up one review for our, our MS uh, Gundam girl. Then I also have uh, another two to put up as well. So, watch for those as well. I know all that and more just at KTData.net. Make sure you guys check that out. Um, make sure, again, our Facebook page is uh, KTData.net slash Panda Bear. Panda Productions, Productions, or just check for uh, KTData.net reviews. Um, yeah. Fo- follow, well, go to the Facebook page. If you're a Twitter guy, you can find me there on Google+. I'm there, too. We're everywhere on the social media things. Um, Dito, do you have anything else to pimp? before we go no alright guys see you guys in two weeks bye work it Katie Boobies! <laughs>